Many times I have shared over the years, the problem is not God, it is not the devil, and it is not the world. It literally lies within us. What happens is when a storm hits, the reason it hits us so hard is because now we have wandered outside of the protection and provision of God. And that's where the struggle comes. God said, you can have peace in me, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do when the I don't know happens when the I didn't expect this happens when the it shouldn't have happened happens Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. He's not going to let go, and we need to hold on. We need to stand strong. We need to stand up. Why? There's other people that are looking to us for direction. There's other people that are looking to the church to see where we're standing. And I want to talk about some of these things this morning. The greatest place to have peace is in the middle of the storm when God's holding on to you. The greatest place. This storm is going to pass, but God says you got to hold on. you got to be brave. And you gotta keep the faith. You're not alone. He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. He'll always hold you up. He'll always shore you up and keep you. Therefore, the safest place that you could possibly be in the midst of everything that we're going through, once again, we're growing through. We're not, we're not just going through. And we're not living in. We're getting to the other side. We're believing God. And the best thing that you and I can do in the midst of the storm, and I want you to hear this. It's in your notes, and I want you to grab a hold of this. The best thing that we can do in the middle of the storm is to stop trying to figure out why it's happening. We know it's happening. So what do we do? We do the next right thing. And as we stand up, I love the way that the Word of God, God tells us, quit you like men. That's old King James English. You know, it says, stand strong like a man is supposed to. And even beyond man and woman, as a Christian, we have to trust that if God allowed us to get where we are, God's got a reason. God's got a reason. If not, he would have stopped this thing. But what God is choosing is to use this thing. And I, I have read my Bible cover to cover. I can't tell you how much. I have spent time in God's Word because I understand that in the midst of anything, little or, or, or great, big or small, I have to know that God is there with me. I have to trust that God is my strength and present help in time of trouble. There was a man that was taking an airplane flight, and as he was uh, traveling to his destination, he thought he'd get a little work done. So he was getting some work done, and he had his Bible open in front of him. And I want you to hear this. He had his Bible open in front of him. All of a sudden, the stewardess came by. And the stewardess said, you know that book? Four years ago, it was dead to me. I mean, I couldn't even read it. I couldn't even pay attention to it. I, I tried, but it just didn't happen. And then she said these words. She said, then something happened. I can't explain it, 
but now I can't get enough of it. I devour it. Well, the man answered and he said, I know what happened. You met the author. You met the author. And afterwards, reading it was never the same. Can I tell you something? We know the author. So we know how the story ends. We know how the story begins. And you know what he promises? He's going to get us from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. He is going to get us through it all. He is the author and the finisher. And I love the book of Philippians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. It says he is going to finish what he began in you and work it unto completion until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What am I trying to say this morning? This storm will pass, but in the middle, we got to be strong. We got to be brave. We got to hold on and keep our faith and do what is right to do. Hebrews chapter 12 says that he is the author. He is the finisher. And when you meet the author of the word of God, you know what happens to God's word? It becomes alive in your heart. It's no longer like he's like it's beating you over the head. It is a place of confidence and victory and certainty. And I read it uh, assembling it instead of resenting it. Ephesians chapter 2, when I am standing in something, I'm standing in it. I'm not standing on the side of it. I'm not cowering down because of it. I'm standing in it. Do you know why? I'm trying to see which way I can best grab a hold of where I am and what I'm doing and what I'm going through. And it's easier to face the winds that blow and read the pages of uncertainty and to go through the storms in life when I am walking hand in hand with Jesus. Can I tell you something? When, when the disciples went through the different things they went to, from people from Genesis, could you imagine Noah building that ark in the middle of nowhere, not a drop of water anywhere? If he had not kept confident in what God was doing, you think it would have got accomplished? You and I, if we don't stand confident, Ephesians chapter 2, look what the scripture says. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus that we should walk the path, listen to this, that was foreordained for us to, to walk. If I read that correctly, and I am, what we're walking through right now, God said it was going to happen. God said it was all set out there, and all we have to do is rise up. God's workmanship to walk through the road that he has foreordained and pre-established. Look at John chapter 16. I have told you these things. so that you won't abandon your faith when they happen. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the last two months that said, Pastor, I can't take this, I can't do this, I can't. And I say, yes, you can. If you're a child of God, you can. And we can walk through what we're living in. He said, I told you these things before that when they happen you won't abandon your faith and then he goes on and he starts talking about the futuristic things he said there's going to be a day coming when you're going to be expelled from the synagogues the churches no i'm not reading into that i'm not talking about this as being expelled but there is a day coming if you read news Christianity is more persecuted today than it has since the beginning of time. Look what it says in the next verse, the next line. 
The time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. And look what he says. He said the reason they're doing this is because they don't know me. They don't know me and they don't know the Father. I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. And Jesus said, the time is coming and now is that you will all be scattered and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. Oh no, you never let go. You never let go. I have told you all these things that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In this world you're going to have problems. In this world you're going to have struggles. Now I want to take you through the four chapters preceding what Jesus is saying right there in John chapter 16. He gives us a breakdown in in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, how we're going to live through chapter 16. In chapter 13, it begins by Jesus teaching us how to lead through struggle, through circumstance, through life. And he said, you do it by serving. You do it by serving. So he washed their feet. Even though in the same chapter, you know what happened? Judas betrayed him and Peter betrayed him. He said, I'm going to show you how to stand strong in the midst of all this stuff. And just as soon as he washed their feet, then the very next sequence in the passage of John 13 is he is betrayed by Judas and then he is denied by Peter. In John 14... The scripture tells us very clear to stand strong in him for he is the only way. And then he tells us how we're going to do that. He's going to send us the Holy Spirit to give us power and peace. And then in John 15, he said, remain in me that I can remain in you, the vine and the branches. And then he said it again, many will reject standing in his word standing in his truth and then of course we know john 16 the spirit will guide protect and give you joy and peace as you stand four things that i see outlined from 13 to 16 the number one is responsibility we just we stand And when we've done all we can do to stand, we stand. And then God tells us why we're going to be able to do that. Because we have assurance. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he gives the comforter to us in the midst of it. And then he tells us, okay, here's your responsibility. Here is your assurance. Will you make a commitment to this? Will you make a commitment to this? I am the vine. You are the branches. If you want to do what I want you to do, you've got to stay connected. And then he said in verse six, chapter 16, I want to give you peace. See, the most important thing that you and I can have in the midst of the storm is peace. The most important thing that we can do in the midst of the storm is find that peace that is in Christ. So if I can quickly take you through the notes today, and hopefully you have downloaded them, hopefully you're able to follow along. The first thing is we fear what we don't understand. Can I tell you something? None of us have been here before. None of us have been at this place before. And that is why people are short. That's why people are irritated. That's why people are going through stuff. Whether you're, you're a Christian or not Christian, Whether you're living for God or not living for God. Right now in this world, there's protests going every place. Telling telling people do this, telling people do that. Folks, I'd like to tell people all kinds of things, but I can't. Because I'm not supposed to. And so what do I have to do is I have to keep myself in Christ. You see, in the storms we face, 
Many things there are we don't understand. Misconstrued over the years. Fears abound. And they're all rooted in the same thing. The unknown and the why did it happen. Why? God, if you're good, why? Because we live in a fallen world, folks. We talked about it a bit last week. The God of this world is still in charge of this world. Oh, he has no authority. That's all been stripped from him. But he has power. And that power, listen to me, is deception. If he can get you to believe that things are bad and horrible and getting worse and that, can I tell you something? You'll never have peace in the midst. You'll never find joy in the midst. Why? Because the devil will get you all caught up in the why did it happen and God, if you're good, why is this going on? Most have struggles in this because of a lack of knowledge of God's word. And I want you to hear me. I don't want you to take that offensively. I want you to hear me. In Hosea, the Bible says, People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You see, it is not enough to know what someone else says or what someone else knows. It matters what you say and what you know. Jesus, as he was trying to mature his disciples in this this relationship that was going to take them literally to their own martyrdom he took them to the most religious place that we knew of at the time it was a place called Caesarea in the city of Philippi or the state of Philippi city of Philippi which one of them and he took them there and this religious Mecca where every God known to mankind had a statue erected he asked them a question And that question I ask you today, who do you say that I am? We sang about him all morning, but is it just words? Is it just a song? Or is it really who he is? And you know how you find out when pressure gets on. That's how you find out who he is to you. When the pressure gets on, And somebody says, you can't do this. Well, bless God, I can. Somebody says, you're not going to do that. Who do you think you... Well, if we know who he is, who do we yield ourselves to? I know some of you out there in the camera are getting a little nervous. But this is how we get peace. Who do you say that I am? And in this, we yield ourselves to him. That's why people can go to prison for Christ and still have victory. That's why people can face martyrdom for Christ and still have victory. Because it's not about what they say, it's about what he says. And what he says, I yield myself to, and I follow the authorities, I follow the decisions, I follow the things. Oh, I don't cower to them or buckle to them or just give in to them. I say, God, you tell me certain things, and you tell me this is the way I get it done. And that's what I do. Storms will always blow the fiercest when we don't understand them or when we buck against them. Yet what makes them even worse is when we don't know how to handle them. We don't expect them, nor do we know how to handle them. Many say that I'm a Christian. And I want you to hear me please this morning. They say I'm a Christian, and this is not the way it's supposed to be. They say, well, the one that hurt me is a Christian. Why did this happen? Can I tell you something? The thing that sets us off our feet is the unexpected, the all of the sudden, the it shouldn't have happened this way that causes the most damage in your life and mine. Now, I say mine too. I get affected, but I have to make the decision not to be affected. 
I have to make the decision to step on and to believe God. Can, can I tell you something over the years? I've had pastor friends fall and fail. I've seen great men and women of God that, that are in television and all these different things that the world makes a public example when they make mistakes. I have dealt with hidden sin in the church and had to process people through and situations through and difficulties through. I have been personally assaulted and, and charged with, well, you didn't call me when I was going through this, or you didn't visit me when I went through that, or your message uh, offended me and, and, you know, and, and it got me just fill in the blank. I've made this statement for years. None of us would like Pastor Jesus because his word, he didn't veer from. He didn't candy coat. He didn't cover over. I, I, you know, one of the times the disciples were all up in arms, everybody, thousands had left Jesus. And they were probably thinking to, to, that Jesus will explain it a little bit better and, and uh, you know, help them to understand a little bit better that it really wasn't what he said. And I, I always think it's interesting that Jesus turned to them and said, are, are you going to? Are you going to? I always find it interesting that that passage that talks about what I just referred to, you find in John chapter 6, verse 60. Six. The whole passage is about 63 to 68. But I always think it's interesting that it falls in that place where man has to decide who Jesus is. Responsibility, assurance, commitment, peace. These are the things that will get you through any storm, any struggle, any different. I, I have been pastoring a long time, and I share with people things, and I don't really share much different than I did a few years after I started pastoring. I say a few years because I had to mature in pastoring and, and learning and, and understanding, and, and God helped me. But today, I don't say much different to people when things are happening than I have said in all my three and a half decades of pastoring. Why? Because they're, the, they're still the same. I think it interesting that Jesus was telling them something that they should have already known. He said, you've watched me go through struggles. You've watched me deal with this stuff. And he said, I'm telling you these things that when it happens, you will know that I told you. Look at John 16. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy will be complete. Can I tell you something? It was easier for the disciples to serve Jesus when they were walking hand in hand with him. But soon he was going to be gone. And how are they going to walk now? Hand in hand. They're going to walk trusting what they've already known, what they've already learned, what they've already seen. This is why Jesus, when he talked to uh, 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 the one we call Doubting Thomas, Didymus, in John chapter 20, Jesus was telling them stuff that they should already know. But he said, you'll receive greater joy knowing that I'm with you even though you do no longer see me. And this passage in John 20, 29, he said, Thomas, blessed more are those who believe who have never seen there's an analogy that i use in my own personal life at different times and most of you watching and you remember when you were a child and you got that first bicycle i'm not talking about the tricycle i'm talking about the bicycle mom and dad got you that bicycle and they put training wheels on it but they knew you could only pedal that bike for so long with those training wheels until you had to come to a place of balancing on your own. Now listen to me. When that happened, what would happen? 
Mom and dad would hold the bicycle for you and, and ride alongside with you. You feel all excited. The training wheels are off. But then mom and dad have to let go. They have to let you strike out on your own. They have to let you take that chance of stepping and falling. That's the same thing God does with us. Jesus spent three and a half years with the disciples saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. But I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you. And then all of a sudden, he's gone and says, now what are you going to do? Are you going to take me at my word and believe what I said? Or are you going to stumble? Are you going to fall? Okay, you stumble, you fall. Are you going to get back up? Are you going to keep going? You see, we have to understand God is in control. And nothing touches you nor I that has not first touched the hand of God. And when I know that no matter what is happening, that that is the truth, then I can have peace. I may not like the circumstance, but I can have peace. I've taught this for years, and I've taught that in this series, is God uses storms. God uses circumstances. God uses trials and tribulations for one of two things, correction or perfection. He either uses this to help us to realize we think we can stand on our own. No, take heed, he who thinks he stand, lest he fall. God says, okay, I'm going to let you realize that you can't do this alone. So he brings some correction in. You say, well, pastor, what if I'm putting God first and I'm, and I'm living for God and I'm trying and I'm still there? Well, God's using it for, for perfection or maturity. You see, knowing that he'll never let go, even when we're in something we seem like we can't handle, is what gives us peace. Because we know he is the way maker. Can somebody say amen? You see, living for God means dedicated to doing his will. So I want you to listen to me as I fine-tune this for a moment. Right where you are right now is probably exactly, I'm talking about if you're living for God, listen to this, you're dedicated to doing his will, right where you are right now is exactly where God wants you because he wants to perfect you. He wants to mature you. The second thing that I quickly want to look at this morning, as we begin to understand and accept life. And if you write in your notes and you write that, I want you to circle that word, accept life. You know what will happen? You'll no longer live in despair. And I'm talking about at all. You'll no longer have to live in despair. There's a simple truth, and I have it on the screen, and I want you to look at this. Life isn't fair. Ever since the fall, Life has no longer been fair. You think, well, I, I, I deserve this, and I don't get it. Or I don't deserve that, and I get it. Life isn't fair. Accepting that will cause a lot of your problems to go away. Accepting this one simple truth will cause a lot of your problems. You say, well, preacher, that's too simple. What do you mean? Sure, I'll tell you what I mean. If you accept that life isn't fair when something not fair happens to you, what do you do? Praise the Lord. He told me that it wasn't fair. Can I tell you before I told you that? Jesus said that. He said, in this world, you're going to have problems. You're going to have stuff that you don't think you deserve but he said in me you're going to have peace am i making sense this morning 
I hear Hensley out there telling me to preach it. Come on, Hensley, help me out, would you? You see, and my statement, ladies and gentlemen, understand, it's not because of God, but rather it's because of sin. Now, I'm not a professor of bad things or hard knocks, but I am a guy that looks at life from a clear biblical perspective of this sin-filled world. In our text, Jesus emphasized the comforter and the assurance and the hope that we have. He said everybody is going to get frustrated. But he said in this world, yes, you're going to have problems, but in me, you're going to have peace. Now, I know that mainstream Christianity does not want to acknowledge this for the most part. Many times I have shared over the years, the problem is not God it is not the devil, and it is not the world. It literally lies within us. What happens is when a storm hits, the reason it hits us so hard is because now we have wandered outside of the protection and provision of God. And that's where the struggle comes. God said, you can have peace in me. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do when the I don't know happens, when the I didn't expect this happens, when the it shouldn't have happened happens? The world is full of sin. Now I want you, this is on the screen, look at this thing. The world is full of sin. Why? Because of man's rebellion. And because of man's rebellion... Most Christians fall away because of lack of commitment. Oh, that's not a, a Pastor Tim statement. That's a Matthew 24 statement. It says, because iniquity abounds in the church, because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. Because we don't like the fact that we have to face things in this life. Well, God, you said it wasn't going to be that way. And I tell people, show me chapter and verse where it says that it's not supposed to be that way or it's not going to be that way. There's a passage in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And the passage has to do with the first person that was ever made king of Israel. We know his name is Saul. And do you know why God gave Saul or gave Israel a king? Is because they didn't like him being their Lord. They said, We want a king like everybody else. We have the best thing that we could ever possibly have the Lord and Savior. But you see, if we don't like him telling us what we should or should not do, then we want a person. Why? Because we think, Well, we don't have to do what they say. Well, yet King Saul thought differently. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 15 that King Saul decided he didn't want to do it God's way either. God told him to go and to uh, take this, this, this uh, place called uh, Amalek. And there was a king there by the name of, of uh, oh, what was his name? Mr. Bad King, we'll just call him that, had this king, and Samuel was told to go destroy everything, get rid of everything. And so Samuel decided, I'm going to keep the best of the flocks, I'm going to keep the best of the spoils, I'm going to keep the best of fill in the blank of the, of the people, and I'm going to destroy everything else. And then he brought King Agag, that was his name. Brought King Agag back because he was going to make an, a, a picture out of him to the people. And he comes back, and Samuel was there. And Samuel said, did you go do what God said to do? Well, yes. Then why do I hear this bleeping in my ears? Why do I hear the cattle and the sheep? Well, you know, we wanted to bring the spoils home to God. That is not what God... Now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen... When God puts a directive in his word and he tells us to yield ourselves, listen to me, I am about to set some captives free in God's word. When we yield ourselves to God's directive, you know what happens? Now we have God's protection. When we 
refused to do it the way God said. I'm not talking about man, I'm talking about God. Then we open the door for the enemy to come in and torment. So here's what happened. Agag and the sheep and all the different things. Samuel came up to him and said, you know, and I'm going to share a very familiar passage of scripture. To obey is better than any sacrifice you could try to make to get it back. Submission is better than the best offering you could ever possibly give. And then it goes from that to more straightforward. He says, you know what? Rebellion. Rebellion against what? God's word is as the sin of witchcraft. Literally, it shows you're following a different spirit. Listen to me. And stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. The world is full of sin because of man's rebellion. Because we choose to become a Saul at times. I'm not talking about innocent mistakes. I'm talking about purposeful things. In human civilization, and I'm going I'm to help you, if you'll listen to me, please. You may not like it. You may not want it. You may think it's a demonic uh, uh, assault. And I can tell you what it is. But God tells us to yield to those that are in, some, that are in authority over us. Romans 13 says, submit yourself to the governing authorities. This storm's going to pass, but we have to do right in the middle of it. Come on, listen to me out there. We have to be Christian in the middle of it. Oh, don't lay down. Don't cower down. We are having live worship in our church. We are preaching from our church, but we are following the governing authorities' mandates. Why? Well, I'm not going to listen to what they say. You better listen to what God said because God said to do it. See, ladies and gentlemen, when we look at life and we somehow think that it's not fair and we're going to do something about it other than yielding yourself to God, Saul, his entire life was ripped from him. His entire kingdom was ripped from him and he died a horrible death. Why? Because he rejected God, not man. Are you listening to me this morning? The world has to get past these situations. I I remember a, a history teacher I had one time. And this wise history teacher, at the beginning of every class, I learned this uh, after I had been a part of his class for a while, he would make this same declaration before each of his classes when they began that year. He said, you can take this class one of two ways, seriously or over. Ladies and gentlemen, you better take life serious because we can't take it over. And God is the author and the finisher. As we started out this series, and I'm going to begin to wrap this up, I would say in closing, but our churches learned that in closing means absolutely nothing. We started out this series with the parable of the man who built his house on the sand or the man that set his house on the rock. And can I tell you something? Many of us start out our Christian walk like the man on that rock. But pretty soon when the winds and the, and the waves and the storms of life beat against us enough times, pretty soon we take our own foundation into our own hands. And we, though we do not mean to, we begin to become that man on sifting sand. And as long as it's going good, we're solid. But when it starts going bad, we start getting tossed. We start sifting. We start shifting. Many things don't go the way we would like them to. No place in God's word does it say that life 
is going to work out the way you want it to. It never tells us smooth sailing in God's word. It only tells us safe landing. Life gets increasingly difficult when we don't stay attached to the source of peace. When we start trying to figure this thing out or saying this is the way I'm going to do it no matter what somebody else wants. And folks, can I tell you something as a pastor? I cannot tell you how many people I've worked with over the years. And maybe some of you are watching from this camera. I, I am so blessed as a pastor that I've got people from every church that I've ever pastored watching these, these uh, Sundays and, and morning things and stuff. It, it may be one person, it may be a couple people, but it just blesses me that God has allowed me the privilege of making that kind of impact. And you know what they all say? They all say, the one thing about you, pastor, is you don't change. You preach God's word, and you don't veer from God's word. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, please. That's the only way I can have peace. Because in this world, we got problems. In this world, we got struggles. Lastly, this morning, our commitment to God and doing things God's way. Listen to me, please. We are rights fighters. Well, bless God, I have my rights. First problem for a Christian. You know where Jesus nailed his rights? To a tree. The only right that I have is to be righteous. And that's in right relationship with him. And that's by abiding in his word, his way to accomplish his will. Our commitment to God is what gives you and I peace. Hebrews chapter 11 says, The just shall live by faith. And the understanding of the why, the what, the where, the when, the how, can I tell you, that is all up to God. That is all up to God. It is up to you and me to commit ourselves to God and trust. That is, the, that is the simple separation of the strong and the weak. Now, don't get me wrong. You can be a weak Christian. The Bible talks about weak Christians, but yet they're still Christians. They're still living in God, and they're growing. They're developing. But the difference in weakness and strength is how do you respond to the storm? How do you deal with the situation? How do you address the circumstance? We have to do it by faith. Isaiah 26.3, it's not uh, on the screen, but it's in your notes. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. You see, our commitment to God is the key to the peace that we will have or we will not have. Second Timothy, just to kind of set this this statement home follow the lord's rules i'm reading out the new living translation look what it says here or the excuse me the living bible follow the lord's rules for doing his work follow the scripture for doing his work just like an athlete has to follow the rules if he doesn't follow the rules what's it say he's disqualified and he will not win. Folks, the only way that we can get through anything, you say, well, preacher, this is, this is worse than anything. Think about the last thing you went through, and let me ask you, how much worse was it really? Oh, yeah, you got to be in your house. you got to be away from something or this. But didn't you think it was the worst? Can I tell you something? The next time will be worse than this time. Because you'll forget this time because you're in the midst of next time. And this is the reality of life. I remember uh, my wife, when, when we, we deal with stuff, one of the things that I always say, and she gives me a look now, but I say, okay, 
You see it this time, but are you ready for next time? Because that's what we have to do in life. It's we have to realize. I'm either going into a storm, living in a storm, or coming out of a storm. That's called life. Boy, it's quiet out there on that camera. It's called life. And if you think about it, you will say, that preacher's right. We abide by God's rules or we lose. Pretty simple. And sometimes the lack of peace is because we're trying to do it our way. God's work our way. So I take you back to First Samuel 15. Saul was trying to do God's work man's way and it cost him everything you may be able to repent you may be able to get your heart right you may be able to return back to god but why sacrifice why rebel against the authorities listen to me are they telling you not to worship god they can't People die every day because they refuse people to tell them you can't worship God. Are they throwing you in prison? They might. And the Bible says the time is coming and they will. But what did Paul and Silas, we talked about it last week, what did they do at midnight? They began worshiping. They're not telling us to do ungodly or to do you know repulsive or reprehensible they're just telling us you can't gather right now do i like that no i want to hug i want to shake I, i'm a hugger i'm a shaker i'm a dancer but right now i've got something going on that I don't know how it's happening, what is happening, when it's happening, where it's happening, or even why it's happening. But I know that God is still happening. And that's where I have to abide and yield myself to what God's Word says. The interesting thing about that whole concept of authority, God deals with it in human civilization God deals it in home life. He said, in the human situation, yield yourself to the governing authorities. In your home life, husbands, be the man of the house. Be the Lord, small Lord, in your home. And in the church, God set a structure of authority. And he says, yield to that authority and do what they say. Because if you don't, who are you coming against? If you don't do what the governing authorities say, who are you coming against? If you don't do what the home authority says, why do we have such traverse, uh, uh, adversity in the home? Because men are not standing up and being what God called them to be. And in the church, ah, bless God, I'm going to do it my way. Okay. God just reminded me of the story of uh, Miriam and Aaron, they didn't like Moses' leadership, so they said, hey, are you the only one that hears from God? We hear from God, too. Well, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that over the years. And you know, the Bible says, and God was listening. And except for Moses' intervention, God was going to kill Aaron and Miriam. But Moses said, hey, Dad, they're your sheep, remember? Let me conclude today. I took you through John 13, 14, 15, and 16. Did you know that Jesus makes that same statement along the way before he concludes in John 16, 33? In John 14, and I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, look what it says here. I'm leaving you with a gift. What is the gift? Peace of mind and heart. He said, 
the peace that I give you isn't fragile like the peace that the world gives. And then he gives a directive. Because of that, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I'm going to come back again to you. Then listen what he says. If you really love me, you'll be very happy because I now go to my Father who is greater than I am. And then look what he says. The next screen. Look what he says here. I've told you these things before they happened. I told you these things before they happened so that when they do, you will believe me. As the worship team comes, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus walked this earth and nobody has ever in all of creation dealt with what Jesus personally dealt with when he walked this earth. But when he walked this earth, so many think that Jesus came to teach us how to treat him. No, Jesus came to teach us how to treat each other. He did not come to show us how to act towards God. He showed us how to live life towards each other. That we are supposed to treat them just like God himself. We are supposed to love them. Can can I tell you a truth? We've got too many men of science and too few men of God. We have grasped the mystery of the Adam, but rejected the Sermon on the Mount. Ours is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants. We know more about killing than we know about living about hating, about all, you know, than we do about living. We know more about war than we do about peace. Why? Because we have failed to yield our lives to the Prince of Peace. The only one that can give us peace in the midst of the struggle. John chapter 8. Jesus said to those who believed in him that word believe means to cling to trust in and rely upon those who believed in him you are truly my disciples listen if you remain faithful to my word we may not like something folks there's lots of things that i don't like right now and all the time there's just stuff But it's okay. Because it ain't my gig, it's his. That sounds interesting. My gig is, yeah. It's his deal. It's his that he said, I foreordained the path for you to walk. If that's a true statement, which it is, this is not a shock. God knew this was going to be here. He said, kids, I got it. Just walk through it. Walk through the valley. It's only a shadow of death. You don't have to be afraid because my rod and my staff are going to comfort you. Oh yeah, you're going you're to have enemies, but I'm going to build a table for you in the presence of those enemies. And your cup's going to run over. Why? Because I'm walking with the Prince of Peace. This storm will pass. Hold on. Be brave. Be strong. Keep the faith. Because you're not alone. The scripture ends there in John 8. If you hold to my teachings, if you do what my word says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And when you know you are truly free, you have peace. You have peace. No matter how dark it is, no matter the struggle, no matter the trial. I started this series out talking about the eye of the storm. And we're going to sing that song. And I want to give you this picture once again as I conclude. The storm can rage. But in the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, they, or agency, they, they study storms. And the only way they can study them is they've got to get themselves right in the middle of it. And I don't know how many years and years and years ago it was when they first found this out. But when they got in the middle of the storm, there was peace. Complete peace. The storm was raging all around them destroying everything around the earth but they had great peace why they were in the eye of the storm he is the eye of the storm when the disciples were in the middle of that ocean and that that sea of galilee and the storm was going to capsize them the bible says that jesus was on the shore watching them struggle but you know what he said he said, get in the boat, go to the other side. Jesus already knew that he was going to get them to the other side. But in the middle of the storm, they started freaking out. They started getting frustrated, aggravated, irritated. Jesus was just taking a nice stroll across the water. Because he told him, go to the other side, I'll see you there. And then they cried out said, Lord, if it's you, save us. And the minute he got on the boat, everything stopped. Will you let him in to your boat? You see, he was watching until they cried out. And the minute he cried out, or they cried out, he got in the middle of it. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what's going on, but I do know this. If you will cry out to Jesus, he'll meet you right in the middle of that storm. He is the eye of that storm. And he wants to give you peace, but you can't do it your way. You may not like it. You may not want it. You may not agree with it. God's rules says yield to the governing authorities yield to those who have been given authority yield because ultimately through them you're yielding to him and God wants to help you maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior I, I, I don't know maybe you knew him at one time but now you walk a distance because you got offended somebody hurt you maybe I hurt you well let me be on, on this camera forgive me and if you will call me personally I will ask you personally. It's called life. <laughs> you follow me, hopefully it's longer than five minutes, and you won't see a mistake. I don't want anybody behind me saying anything either, because it may be less than five minutes. But the reality, it's called life. Stop taking it personal. And take Jesus personal. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And you know what I'll, I can promise you he'll do? He'll come in. He may not change the storm, but he'll calm the child. Father, thank you that you reach past the cameras, across the airwaves, and God touched the lives of those that are watching that are believing, that are trusting. Help, encourage, strengthen, and lift. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name.
And everyone said, Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.